This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 58 of Jurassic Park. Brady, I have a question for you. What's up? Do you remember a movie from the mid-90s that starred Genie that granted wishes for kids? Yeah, it was starring uh, Sinbad, wasn't it? Yeah, Sinbad. And what was it called? Uh, that's as far as I've read into this theory. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about, right? I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, explain it. Explain okay, it. so uh, this weird thing has just kind of like come up on the internet that apparently has been going on for a very long time where in the mid-90s there was a movie starring Shaquille O'Neal called Kazam. Now, we all know the actor Shaquille O'Neal. You know, he's been in such classics as Blue Chips, Steel. Steel. You know, uh, and... And various others, uh, and he did a movie called Kazam. It was a family movie where he played a rapping genie that came out of a bottle and tried to help a kid get his uh, mother and father back together. I never saw Kazam. Uh, you you saw Kazam, didn't like it, but apparently there is a group of people who were young in the mid-90s that swear that there was a movie about a rapping genie called Shazam that starred Sinbad, and they will not shake the fact that this movie actually exists. I have a personal friend who swears that the Sinbad movie is real because mm-hmm. she remembers watching it as a kid and remembers thinking like, well, this is really weird that there's a Shazam and a Kazam. One of these is trying to rip off the other one and kind of ape its success. You know, the reason I bring this up is that, uh, around the time of Jurassic park, there were several other movies that tried to also dig into the dinosaur, uh, kind of like hype that was happening at the time. Did you ever see we're back? Yeah. I remember We're Back, yeah. We're Back apparently has this like really awful like third act to it where it gets like really scary, like people are trying to kill the dinosaurs all the time and stuff like that. I don't really remember. And there was another one starring the kid from Last Action Hero, I don't know his name, uh, where a bunch of baby dinosaurs like got hatched out of eggs or something like that. And uh, this is all happening within like a year span of Jurassic Park coming out. Now, does that exist? Are you familiar with no, it? No, it absolutely is. In yeah. fact, I'll look up the name for it right here if you want to kind of give me a minute while I look this up sure. on my phone. So. Okay, so the actor's name is uh, Austin O'Brien, and the movie was called Prehysteria. Does this look familiar to you? I'm showing Brady a picture of the movie, the cover of the movie right here. Kind of? Uh, Maybe? So in the movie, just on the cover, it's Austin O'Brien, and he's got like a baby Brachiosaur, baby Triceratops, and a baby uh, like uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I think these were like puppets in the movie that kind of... uh, uh, I guess hatched from eggs or something like that and and he made buddies with. But uh, yeah, so it's really weird how... uh, when movies are popular, there's a, one of two things happen. Either somebody tries to come in and undercut its, its success, like Carnosaur. Do you remember that? The uh, low-budget movie that was yeah, made yeah, by... Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also um, the other thing, which is another movie gets released at the same time with the exact same plot. Uh, so like something like Dante's Peak to Volcano okay, yeah. or uh, Deep Impact to Armageddon, you know, yeah. that whole thing. So we should probably go ahead and get into the movie, right? Let's get into the Let's movie. Let's get into the minute number 58. In the previous minute, we saw Dennis Nidri steal dinosaur embryos from the Jurassic Park cold storage. At minute number 58, we see that the power goes out on the internal video system display in the rear tour vehicle. The camera pans up to show Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ian Malcolm sitting in the car. Malcolm asks Grant if Dr. Sattler is available. Grant asks him why. Malcolm apologizes and asks Grant if the two of them are... Grant responds, yeah... The vehicle stops moving. Grant raises his hands in the air and asks what he touched. Malcolm tells him that he didn't touch anything and that the car stopped moving. 
At 5821, we cut back to the interior of the Jurassic Park Control Center where a large map of the island fence security system is displayed on a large internal screen. The fence grids are flashing to indicate that they are unarmed. Muldoon looks at Ray in shock. Ray sees that the fences are indicating that various dinosaur paddocks are going offline. Ray asks, what the hell? Hammond asks him what is happening. Ray tells him that the fences are failing all over the park. Hammond tells Muldoon to find Nedry to check the vending machines. At 5838, we cut to the large Jurassic Park gates. Nedry drives up to them in a gas jeep. At 5841, Nedry jumps out of the jeep and runs up to the gate doors. He opens a security box and hits a lever that reads Manual Override. He switches it to unlock. Nedry runs back to his jeep and gets inside. He hits the gas and forces the gates open with the jeep. And thus ends minute number 58 of Jurassic Park. So I think this one ties in really well, I mean, obviously, to the minute we talked about yesterday, because uh, it's we talked about Muldoon pacing around the desk, and we get that moment here where he switches around, he's got wide eyes, he's looking right at Ray, you know, confirming that, like, you know, what, what he's seeing happening is actually happening, that the fences are now failing around the park, that his worst uh, reality is now coming into being, that these dinosaurs could actually break out of their paddocks and get loose and, and hurt people, but... Uh, you know, we saw him yesterday kind of pacing around Nidri's desk, and we were talking about the great acting that he was doing. It was really kind of subtle, kind of like pacing around anxiety type stuff. But, um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on today's minute? I mean, slim. Very, very, very slim. Just that the control room, I believe, and I buy more than the super high-tech, super fancy one you get in Jurassic World, which is probably more plausible as it is. I mean, an operation like this, you've got to have on something of that scale that looks almost like a NASA-type mission control room. Um, but there's something about just the small-scale, kind of uh, more conservative nature of this that I buy a little bit more. And their their big screen, you know, is something that's smaller than this wall next to right. us. Uh, so there's that. There is Muldoon's expression when he's switching around that all of his worst fears are now true. I mean, we're screwed. Let's talk about something here. What's up? We had a conversation about this earlier in the in this show's lifespan a, f- a couple of months ago. The fact that there is a controversy over the fact that uh, Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant are actually dating, and I think this is the scene that proves to me that they actually are. Because in the previous moment, we have uh, you know uh, Grant asking Malcolm about kids and what he thinks about kids, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I love him. You know, I'm always looking for an ex." And then he asks, "Is Ellie available?" And, and he doesn't. Grant does not confirm directly, yeah, we're dating, but he just says, yeah, like, you know. No, he says, why? No, he says, yeah. He says, why? No, he says, yeah. I swear to God. I swear to God, because oh, no, I no, just no, no, you are, you are correct. Uh, his, his follow-up to the why thing is, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He says, yeah. Yeah, but, you two are, yeah. But there wasn't any direct, like, oh, you two are dating, and then he doesn't say, yes, we were dating. Like, there's no direct confer, you know, confirmation of it, and this has led a lot of people mm-hmm. to question if they're actually an item or not. And and even, what are your thoughts on that? Even Malcolm doesn't even completely finish his statement. You two, he just says, you two are, and then, yeah. You know, it's weird, man. It's like this Shazam thing, almost. Like... It's almost like it's set up to not be completely uh, confirmed. It's weird. And, I mean, I've always seen it as though they are an item. Um, But this other uh, point of view on it makes complete sense. I'm not saying if that's how it actually is, but it's still very interesting. And it's almost as though it's intended to be kind of vague. Yeah, I could could see that. But, you know, in... in And I don't know why. In the book, they're not an item. In the movie, you know, all the talk about them possibly having kids, uh, then, you know, the hug they give each other after they realize that they can get a grant by going to the island, uh, the way that he touches her head to turn her around, the end when she limps towards him, I kind of feel that 
there's a lot of information given to the viewer that they are a, a couple in this mm-hmm. movie, but it's not really important to the plot. There's nothing about their relationship that, other than the fact that they can't wait to get back to each other, uh, or that, you know, actually, they don't even say that, do they? It's just no. that they do get back to each other, and they are looking for each other, and she you know, runs to embrace him, but it's nothing to say that they weren't just two colleagues that are put in a very stressful situation that are glad yeah. that each other are alive. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. Um Let's see. So, okay, the only other note that I have is uh, Nidri at the gate. Whenever yeah. he's flipping it over to uh, Manuel, um, is the first footage that was shot in the movie. And Wayne Knight tells a story about how they got to that location uh, for him to shoot or whatever. And he sees this guy standing by the gate in the pouring rain and just walks over and it's Steven Spielberg. And <laughs> Spielberg's like, all right, you ready? Let's do this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first stuff that was shot. I think that whenever he gets out, he leaves the door. He closes the door. No, he leaves the door open. And then he goes back to the car and oh, the door yeah, is closed. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, it, we, nobody would notice this kind of thing unless we talked about it here in the show. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, when I bring up these flaws, again, we're, we're not judging the movie on them. It's just, you know, something to talk about that happens in it. I think that it works, you know, in spite of these things. So, all right. Well, hey, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that, folks. Uh, we got a pretty cool guest coming up next week. Uh, you know what? I'll go ahead and spoil it right now. Scott Corelli from Back to the Future Minute, yeah, our, right. our dear friend and a really smart guy, is going to be in here to talk to us about story structure and screenplays and his love for Jurassic Park. So, folks, everybody go out and have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow on Friday. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.